have a plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Howdy, 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 howdy. We are here again together. Thank you so much for joining me here on Star Style. Be the star you are. Brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity, a 501c3 that wishes to empower women, families, and youth through increased literacy and positive media messages like we give out here and on our youth show, Express Yourself. We are coming to you live. We're on the Voice America Network. This is the Empowerment Channel, and our goal is to encourage and inspire and empower and support you on every single show. Well, today's show is going to be a lots of fun information. We're going to talk about pet fostering in segment three. A lot of people are big animal lovers and some people can't keep a pet long term. So maybe you want to just become a foster pet parent. That might be the answer. So I'll tell you how you can do that in segment three. And it is springtime, so it's time to get out into the garden and start planting, although it depends where you are because in so many places there's still so much rain and so much snow that maybe you can't quite get out there yet. Even here in the San Francisco Bay Area, we have a lot of rain, so uh, I'm still going out in the rain and pulling weeds, but uh, we'll talk about companion plantings. In other words... What are the plants that will uh, support one another? It's like, you know, neighbor plants. But right now, we're going to be talking about uh, the power of positivity. So hopefully, we'll turn that frown of yours into a smile. The Miracle Moment is brought to you by Be The Star You Are. If you would like to become a sponsor of any of our events, help with disaster relief, or volunteer, Please visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. And this is from Pablo Picasso. Everything you can imagine is real. Think about it. If you can imagine it, you can do it, right? Hasn't that been coined so many times? Well, the power of positivity, looking on the bright side, doesn't always come naturally for a lot of people. But you can train your mind to seek it out. And that's going to do wonders for your health. I mean, you've probably heard it before, and I write about it in my book, Be the Star You Are, that it takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. And so people have probably told you at one time or another, you know, turn that frown upside down or smile and you'll feel better or stop focusing on how stressed you are and think about how blessed you are. You know, that stress to bless idea. 
Well, these are great. They're little positive thinking prods, and they might make you feel good or they may make you want to punch somebody. But look, nobody wants to be told to smile, especially when you're not feeling up to it. But you might consider repeating the general message to yourself, you know, when you're feeling down, because positivity has benefits that extend far beyond any. Thing that you're going to see on Instagram or Facebook or Pinterest or any of the social media sites that you're looking at right now. And of course, that's kind of a negative at the moment, as most people know, is people only post the best things of themselves on social media. So for people reading social media posts, it tends to make some of us feel less than like, gosh, my day isn't as exciting as his day or her day or whatever. So you have to take it with a grain of salt. And remember, I think about it from my early modeling days when, you know, my husband would look at uh, all these magazines and see all the perfect people. And then that day I would get a pimple or something. He'd go, oh, how are you going to go to work? And it was like, hey, there's something called the magic of retouch, right? So don't think when you look at all these magazines and everything that everything is perfect because there's no such thing as perfection. And that will help you uh, get out of that negative um, vibe. So even if you weren't born, you know, to be a Pollyanna or the polar opposite of Pollyanna, you might be influenced by your genes, and that's, you know, what you were born with. But you can still make positivity work for you. So what does that mean exactly? So positive thinking is all about having an open, optimistic viewpoint. It's that idea that there is a silver lining on a bad day. You know, it's the rainbow after the rain, which is important to know that, You have to have the rain if you want to have the rainbows. So it doesn't mean that you sweep your actual thoughts under the rug to make room for unicorns and rainbows, but it's about viewing situations from a more well-rounded perspective. For example, if you're really stressed out over your workload, maybe you just take a deep breath and consider all the good things you've already accomplished. And then tell yourself you'll get the job done in the absolute best way you can as soon as you can. So shifting that mindset can make you feel a lot better. And it can also lead to real health benefits. A lot of research is showing that positive thinking is an incredibly important uh, way to improve your mood, your physical health, your energy level, your concentration, your productivity, and your general happiness. So people who are positive have been found to be better at problem solving and with dealing with setbacks. It's really, you know, how high can you bounce? (laughs) Um, Positive people are more resilient and positive thinking can open up your creativity. It helps you when you're positive, it helps you connect better with others and it will boost your overall well-being. So experts from around the globe always have simple ways that you can start seeing things in a sunnier light. So uh, I'm going to present just a couple of them. One of them is uh, Dr. Richard Davidson. He's a PhD director of the Center of Healthy Minds at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. 
And he wants people to understand that, you know, it's practice that can make you positive. You just don't pick up a violin and play. Similarly, you just can't wake up and decide you're going to be positive. You need to practice summoning those feelings and you need to rehearse, you know. So in other words, you have to build that skill. So when Dr. Davidson and his research team did MRI scans of brains of people who'd been practicing compassion Uh, meditation for two weeks for just 30 minutes a day, they noticed a stronger connection in the key brain circuit that regulates positive emotion. So even short bursts done regularly, like, you know, appreciating that beautiful view that you have, like if I drive to San Francisco over the uh, Bay Bridge or Golden Gate Bridge, but over the Bay Bridge, I have a view of the Golden Gate Bridge. And if I'm coming home at night and have a sunset it's like oh I just can't believe how fortunate I am to get to see the sunset and the the ocean and the bay and the bridge and San Francisco all at the same time so what that he has found is that when you just notice some of those small things in life that beautiful view a piece of art, a lovely, you know, piece of, you know, music that you like. It helps you retrain your mind to notice all the good things that could be happening around you. And some other positivity boosting techniques would be to list things that you're grateful for at the end of each day. I have my students uh, in any of my coaching classes make a How Great I Am journal. And in that, it they write down whenever they get a compliment without any buts, just with the positive things that are said, and then write something they're grateful for. And it's very interesting when we start doing that, how we see how things really are good in our lives. Another a thing is to engage in a simple meditation exercise. You might just envision, you know, um, a beautiful sunset like I like to, or maybe your favorite beach, or, or that you're somewhere that is really special to you. And acknowledge that we all share these wishes to be happy. Nobody wants to suffer. So if you think about it that way, then we can mentally extend that wish to others. And then spread some kindness. One of the most powerful strategies to promote your own positivity, it turns out, is to be generous towards other people. So, you know, hold the elevator for someone and pay the toll. Uh, Buy somebody that cup of coffee that's behind you. Send a handwritten note. You know, there's so many different things that we can do just, you know, when a car is trying to pass you or just maybe coming up, you know, close Let them go first. There was a study done in 2016 that found that performing acts of kindness was even more effective at boosting happiness than simply treating yourself to something. So instead of booking a a spa day, maybe volunteer somewhere or maybe you could do both. I mean, I kind of think that doing both. (laughs) <laughs> makes me a lot happier. I like volunteering with Be The Star You Are. I, li- I really do like hurting cats, as my engineer Josh says. But um, but it makes me feel good to help others feel good about themselves. Then rather than waiting for good or positivity to come to you, take the initiative and create it for those around you because you will enjoy that ripple effect. 
it's like when you throw that stone, you know, in the lake and you see, you know, it skips and it just ripples, 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 ripples. So every, you know, kind stone that you throw will come back to you in some way. And then when we're going to get back to the smiling, yeah, that flashing a grin, I think for a quick dose of positivity, just crack a smile. In 2012, uh, the University of Kansas did a study and they found that smiling reduced stress. And other research has shown that smiling is contagious. Now, one thing that I know from research from many, many years is that you cannot, when you're smiling, you really can't feel sad. So you can't frown and smile at the same time. So try putting a smile on your face, you know, that fake it till you make it. And it's interesting how the endorphins kind of just trickle up to your brain and throughout your body and you feel better. So if you are in a really bad, bad mood, but you go to work and you put that smile on your face, you know, your colleagues will respond in a positive response and that's going to shift your mood so that you genuinely are in a better place. Now, I do want to say something about when you're having a bad day or feeling bad, I don't want you to sweep it under the rug. I don't. I am not telling you just to fake any of your emotions. What I'm saying is, is you have every right to feel everything you feel. I know, oh gosh, when was it? No, it was a couple of months ago. I was really angry about something. And it, it felt really good to just express that anger and, you know, let it out. I didn't express it at any person, but I spoke it out loud. I wrote it down. And it, you know, it was like you have to unleash it. The same thing if you're feeling sad. You have to go through the sadness. You've got to feel it. And then once you've done that, then you can put that smile on your face. And then you can start feeling a little bit better, hopefully. That is at least the goal. Now, um, you have to nurture your relationships. That's another reason to prioritize quality time with friends and family and loved ones because your social ties color how you experience life. And um, Dr. Vivian Zayas at Cornell University, she's done work uh, with a lot of people, and she said that uh, people that receive, for example, a supportive text message from their partner right before a stressful event, it makes them do better. It increases their positive moment, and they feel that they're not alone. Also, in lab studies that she's worked on with researchers, they show a photo of a loved one to participants who are recalling an upsetting memory. And just seeing an image of someone who supports you helps you recover. So you might even want to do that for yourself, is, um, is, is that you just have a picture to a loved one. Now... Take care of yourself. You can't be positive without also understanding how to deal with the negative. And self-compassion is that secret sauce. Another expert, Dr. Kristen Neff at the University of Texas in Austin, talks about compassion, how it helps you navigate the parts of life that aren't positive, like health problems or, you know, a, a professional flop. So to start, imagine how you would treat a friend if she was in your shoes. What would you say? Would your tone of voice be? And then try it on yourself. Because I don't think if someone confided in you that they were having a bad day that you would start yelling at them or berate them. You would try to encourage them, right? So do the same for you. 
And then getting back to it's okay to get mad. You know, feeling angry on occasion can actually be cathartic and helpful. Sometimes you just need to be angry because you see injustice in the world and you want to take action. So the key is knowing the difference between a functional emotion, which can help you improve your situation, and unproductive reactions like road rage. I mean, I get upset when my husband has road rage when he's driving. And I don't see the point in it because the only person it upsets when I'm driving with him and he gets angry is it upsets me and it upsets him. The person in the car that's cutting him off or doing whatever crazy driving, they can't hear him getting mad. And, you know, road rage can actually get you in some big trouble. So come on, take a deep breath. Just let it go. Let the person do whatever they're doing in their car and now maybe they're having a bad day and that's the way they're reacting so you have to be aware of what your triggers are and distract yourself from it and this is where your positivity practice comes in so uh, you, you know test it out the world is wonderful and terrible at the same time there are good things and there are bad things but we do have a choice and that's the key to everything so we have a choice to be positive or negative and we can train ourselves and then in this light, I, besides training yourself, I want to give you some mood foods because uh, there are foods that can actually help you feel happier and your brain will actually get into a different mode. So you probably know that a healthy gut is key to keeping your digestive system running smoothly. But according to an increasing number of doctors, a, a happy gut could also promote, well, Overall happiness, along with stable moods and a stronger memory. Every piece of food we put into our mouth communicates to our genes, our cells, our organs, our tissues. I mean, so every time we eat anything, we are making a choice about what kind of communication we want to send and how we want to feel. Now, I know I really like one of my downfalls is I really like potato chips, just plain old salty potato chips and it seems like it makes me happy my brain might disagree with that but because they're really not good for you but there are I eat so many other good things that I think I can have a potato chip once in a while so here are some foods that actually give your gut the boost first of all of course probiotics think yogurt kimchi any fermented food at all they are great places to start but they're not the only things that matter when it comes to you know good stomach vibes so there are something called prebiotics and they are equally important and you know those foods they are found in onions and walnuts oats and um, what happens is prebiotics are foods that probiotics feast on so that translation means they work well together now you don't have to eat them at the same meal but just include them both in your diet so omega-3 fatty acids found in salmon, you know, chia seeds, walnuts, and a lot of other things. They reduce inflammation and they help speed up the neuronal communications and that promotes stable moods, better focus, and more happiness. Now tryptophan, which is found in eggs and tofu and chicken, those are some great sources of tryptophan. It's not only essential for a good night's sleep, but it's a precursor to serotonin, which regulates your moods and your appetites. And then there are polyphenols, like those found in spinach and broccoli, and those help stimulate the growth of good bacteria and stifle the growth of bad bacteria. So I call it mood food. So feed your body well, feed your mind well, and then start thinking positive. 
So you're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. My name is Cynthia Bryan, and when we come back from a short break, we will be talking about garden companions. Won't you be my neighbor? Be right back. Be the star you are. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling out to me. Well, we're back. I'm Cynthia Bryan, and I am the host of this show, Star Style. Be the star you are. We are coming to you live on the Voice America Network. This is the Empowerment Channel. You can find out more about our shows if, if you go to starstyleradio.com, and you can always see photos of who's coming up and all of that. And uh, also, you it'll link right here to Voice America so that you can go to the archives and catch up on all the shows that you have missed. Well, Mr. Rogers said, look for helpers. You will always find those who are helping. After sowing seeds of beets, arugula, Swiss chard, and leeks, I sat on my small white wooden bench just to watch. And within minutes, there was a black and white king snake. It slithered by my foot. Sending shivers up my spine, got the sudden surprise, yet I was very joyful because I know that having king snakes in your garden is a good thing. It keeps the rattlesnakes away because a king snake can kill a rattlesnake. I'm, I don't know how, but they do. Then I saw a tailless baby lizard scampered to a rock to bask in the sunshine. And then there were a chorus of frogs croaking their mating calls, each attempting to outdo the other. Two moths flitted through the nasturtiums. There were a swarm of honeybees gathered on the rosemary. And a clue of worms were tilling the rich soil. A covey of quail called to one another, landing in my chestnut tree. What I realized is that my vegetable garden was alive 
with congenial visiting helpers. Now, for years, most people know about Fred Rogers. He modeled the benefits of caring on his awards-winning children's program, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And the root principle of his teaching was to be a good neighbor and to find helpers. Having friendly, helpful neighbors is good, not only for humans, but guess what? For plants and for animals, too, because we are all interdependent on one another for survival. To fully understand how important buddies are, we need to look no further than the kingdom of plants. Now, in gardening, we call this companion planting. Health and yields are improved when certain plants are grown together. Now, some plants will attract beneficial insects, while others will repel destructive ones. Certain flowers, vegetables, and herbs grown together will produce more beautiful flowers and flavorful edibles than if they were grown in solitary confinement. When planting your companion garden for the team to thrive, it is critical to consider these critical requirements. Determine if they enjoy the same type of soil, sandy, loamy, clay, silty, peaty, the same light exposure, shade, partial shade, full sun, partial sun, water, how much and how often, and, of course, pest control. So first we'll start with soil. What is the ideal garden soil? Well, it's loam because it's a balanced mixture of sand, silt, and clay with plenty of, of hummus in it. Now, to improve our clay soil that we have here in Northern California, what we do is we need to improve the drainage and lighten the heaviness by adding copious amounts of organic matter. A combination of compost, mulch, and cover crops will enrich the soil. It prevents erosion, and it minimizes weed growth. Light is the next thing. You record where the sun is during different times of the day. And remember that tall plants will provide shade for smaller plants that need protection. So you do want to, when you're thinking about plants, you want to think about the height and width and what they're going to shade and cover and all of that. Now, water. Roots need oxygen to survive. So waterlogged roots, they rot. And vegetables require about one inch of water a week. Now, columbines prefer a moist environment, while succulents succeed in drier soils. So you can see that there are different soils and different water needs for each of these kinds of of plants. So you have to determine your own watering personality and then choose compatible plants accordingly. And what do I mean by your own watering personality? I mean is are you somebody that wants to go out and water your garden daily with a hose or do you have an irrigation system that you just push a button or you set a timer and it works on its own? Are you in an area like I am where water is really expensive and you've got to be really careful how much you use and even um, water rationing is you know, usually part of our, our uh, daily existence? So it depends if you're going to plant something that needs a lot of water or you're going to plant things that we're going to do well in, uh, in drier conditions. Now, pest control. One of the most exciting things about companion planting is how various plants can attract good bugs and deter the bad ones when surrounded by their friends. Uh, an example is alliums, which are in the onion family. They are terrific company 
for almost every plant except asparagus and beans. So when building your garden, think about building a community of friends. Now, I love roses, and roses, I think, are jewels of the garden. And at least here in our area, they bloom for at least three full seasons, and actually maybe three and a half seasons. And as with their mineral cousins, their beauty is enhanced when placed in the right setting. Now, according to rose expert Michael Marriott, he's the senior rosarian and technical manager of David David Austin Roses in Albrighton, England. He's been on our show here before. Roses are beautifully suited to mixed garden borders. The trick to combining roses successfully with other garden plants lies in knowing which will play well together. Now, although we don't normally plant roses with our vegetables, rose petals are edible. So gathered early in the morning, they can make a tasty topping for salads and soups. Now, the best partners, Michael says, bloom exactly together or closely overlap because there's a joy in pairing flowers that play off one another when seen side by side in full bloom. The goal is to heighten peak bloom experiences and extend the bloom season Um, it's a different exercise. So here is a short list of his recommended rose partners. Favorite blue perennials include lavender, blue-eyed grass, monk's hood, aster, bellflower, cornflower, delphinium, sea holly, geranium, salvia, uh, pin cushion flower, veronica, and violas. Now, other colored perennials that he really likes are agastache, candy tuff, chamomile, columbine, penstemon, black-eyed susan, sedum, and verbena. And the favorite biennial, and one of my favorite biennials, is foxglove. It comes in so many colors, and boy, it looks good in any garden, almost with anything. And a favorite annual can be cosmos, nicotania, nigella, poppy, and sweet pea. And if you want to have a hedge, try boxwoods because they really look good. Now, when it comes to vegetable companions, we have a long list of allies and enemies. General rules advise avoiding planting in long rows or big patches because otherwise you could just attract pests. Instead, interplant flowers and herbs because it confuses the predators and it attracts the beneficial pollinators as well as the beneficial bugs. Marigolds are the workhorse of any vegetable planting as they discourage beetles and nematodes. And the presence of calendula in any garden is a plus. Uh, Calendula, you know, I call it poor man's saffron because if you add enough of it to like your rice or your salads or your soups, not only is it pretty and creates an orange yellow color, But it tastes a bit like saffron, which is like the most expensive spice herb you can buy in the world. But calendula is really great at repelling the nasty insects. And the roots of calendula clean the soil by establishing active relationships with soil-borne fungi. So that's a really great companion plant. Nasturgeum chives and garlic will keep away aphids. Oh, I want to go back to calendula for a second. And something really great about calendula, if you'd like to get a lot of it, is when um, when the plant blooms, just let the blooms dry on the uh, on the plant. They can become a pod. And when the plant is dry, you can cut this, you know, the pods, 
and then just scatter the seeds. And you don't have to even plant them. You just scatter calendula seeds, and they will grow everywhere. I've had a hard time transplanting calendula plants, but I think it's pretty easy just to scatter the seeds and get plenty of calendula. So try that. Now, dill improves growth and flavor in all plants of the cabbage family, including kale, while mint will deter the ants and cabbage moths and improve the flavor of peas. Now, remember that dill retards the growth of carrots, so you don't plant dill and carrots next to each other. Parsley, carrots, and parsnip will attract praying mantis, ladybugs, and spiders that dine on pests. And those are all good, the uh, praying mantis, ladybugs, and spiders, those are all good bugs to have in your garden. And then beans, peas, and clover make nitrogen, and that enriches the soil. Never plant corn and tomatoes near one another because they have the identical worm that will attack both. And so if you plant them close to each other, you probably won't have a crop. And if you want potatoes, plant horseradish in four corners around it as a protection. And don't include squash or cucumbers or sunflowers in the same location as they can all suffer from the same blight as a potato. So, you know, knowing what's going to go well together is very helpful. If you're growing strawberries, you can prevent worms by creating a border of thyme, and you can strengthen resistance to disease and insects with borage. And oregano provides kind of general pest uh, protection, while basil will ward off flies and, and mosquitoes. And no surprise here. It improves the flavor and growth of tomatoes. So before you start your spring planting, consider the community you're going to be creating because the rains are going to continue for a while. The crab apples are blooming and the willow buds are set to burst. And as Fred Rogers said, maybe heaven is the connection we make while here on earth. And in gardening, as in life, it does take a village. So happy gardening and happy growing. And if you'd like to um, read any of my garden columns where you can really find so many of the tips, because I am the digging deep, um, growing, the goddess gardener growing with Cynthia Bryan, I write for the newspaper, and they are all available at CynthiaBryan.com, and you can go forward slash garden, and then you'll see uh, the different articles that I write weekly about gardening, and then you can get all these tips right there. I know many people have uh, printed out tips, and they keep a scrapbook, or better yet, you can buy my book, Growing with the Goddess Gardener. It's book one in the Garden Short series, and that's available at CynthiaBryan.com and Cynthia, C-Y-N-T-H-I-A-B-R-I-A-N. So it's Brian with an I.com, CynthiaBryan.com. So check out uh, the books, and you just click on the Star Style store, and you can get it. Well, when we come back from break... Animals are next up, so stay with me. This is Cynthia Bryan, and it's Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network, and the show is brought to you by Be the Star You Are charity. Be right back as we play with animals and reap the benefits of pet fostering. Don't go away. Be the star you are. 
Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. There was once a man who lived near a village. This man owned seven horses. One day, his seven horses ran away. The townspeople came to the man and said, Oh, how unfortunate for you. The man replied, We'll see. The next day, his seven horses had returned, but now they were eight horses. The townspeople came to the man and said, Wow, what luck. And the man replied, We'll see. The next day, the man's son was riding one of the horses when he was thrown off and broke his leg. The townspeople came to the man and said, Oh, what a tragedy. And the man said, We'll see. The next day, a draft was issued, and all able-bodied sons were forced to go to war. The townspeople came to the man and said, How fortunate you are that your son's leg is broken, and he is home and safe. And the man said, We'll see. Well, this parable speaks to the fact that we never really know what's going to come from the events that occur in our lives. Something may cause us suffering, but it may also be used for something far better than we could have ever imagined. Let us always maintain hope through every circumstance that it may guide us towards our most noble destiny. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's CynthiaBryan.com. Be the star you are. The star you are. The annual cost. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is... Well, we are having a party here. We're getting a lot of uh, uh, emotional boosts, I think, for today. You know, positivity, gardening, and of course, now another one of my favorite topics, animals. As people who've been listening to me for the last uh, 20 years or so on the radio or, or even watching any of my TV shows, you'll know that I am a huge animal lover. And I haven't yet written my book um, on animals, but I am hoping to as soon as I find the right publisher who's willing to give an advance because <laughs> it takes so much time to write a book and after writing eight books I think that it's time um, that, you know I would like to write one about animals but um, so since the beginning since I was a little girl I have been adopting abandoned or abused or hurt animals and they just get to live their lives um you know, in my barnyard, and from the time, you know, I grew up on a farm, so I had lots of different animals, everything from deer and squirrels and jackrabbits and owls and birds and chickens, ducks, geese, rabbits, goats, pigs, horses, cows, sheep, (laughs) dogs, cats, fish, 
you know, all different kinds and all different kinds of, um, of bird. Oh, even frogs. It's really been crazy. So anyway, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about pet fostering. And if there is time, I will read The Gift of Animals by Heather Brittany. That's in the new book, Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World, because I think that really speaks to people who really would like to take care of an animal. Now, there are so many benefits of being a pet foster, a foster parent, you know, to a pet. You can make room in your home and your heart, and you can care for an animal short term, and then you're both going to be rewarded. And what it means, a lot of people wonder, what does this mean? Well, fostering provides a temporary home to shelter animals who, for various reasons, cannot live in a shelter. So maybe the shelter is too crowded, or maybe it could be that the pet just doesn't do well in that environment, or maybe it's that that particular kind of pet doesn't go to a shelter. So it also uh, uh, frees up space for another animal to be rescued and taken in by an organization if we can find foster parents for animals that need care. So how long do your duties last if you become a foster pet parent? Well, it can be anywhere from a few days to months. Uh, It's however long it takes for the shelter or the organization to find a forever home for that pet. And for you, fostering is a great way to have an animal in your life when you're just not ready to make a multi-year commitment. And of course, it's really fun if that's what you want. If you really wanted a pet and you, you know, maybe you're in a place that can't have pets permanently, but maybe you could have a pet for a couple of days or something like that. So you could work with an organization and let them know that. Now, what are your responsibilities Every organization does fostering differently, so it's really crucial to inquire about things like who's responsible for medical bills, how long you're going to be expected to have the pet. Um, Typically, what happens as a foster parent, you do provide the day care. That means you provide the shelter, the safety, the food, and of course, lots of love and affection. Now, you have to have patience and extra attention. It might be needed for young animals or for skittish animals during a transitional time. And you could also be required to take the pet to the shelter to meet any potential adopters. Or you might have to have potential adopters come to your home. Or if if they find an appropriate home, you may have to take that pet to that place. And I'll just give you an example of um, of one of the foster things. I actually don't foster pets. I actually adopt them. But I I have taken in lots of animals from foster parents. And the funniest one that ever happened to me was a potbelly pig. I had no idea that there was a potbelly pig association and that there were potbelly pig foster parents out there and one day uh, several years ago I got a call from this uh, potbelly pig association asking me if I would consider adopting a potbelly pig and I'm always open you know I always say tell me more and they said that this uh, this pig had been found on the side of the road was 
as a baby, uh, probably either got out or was let loose, who knows. But a couple in San Francisco had adopted the pig, and it lived in an apartment with them. And so they were looking for what's called an in-out pig place. And I didn't know what they meant by in-out. And they said, well, the pig has to be able to come in the house and as well as go outside. Well, I have a rule. I have a lot of animals, but I have no animals in the house. And I said, well, unfortunately, that won't work for me because I have uh, I don't have animals in the house, but I have a beautiful barnyard and a big, large acre space where they all get to run around and it's fenced in. So they're protected from predators and they're, you know, they're given a lot of love and all that. And then she said, well, there's one other thing uh, why it won't probably won't work for you because the pig has to be able to sleep with you. <laughs> I was like, what? A pig in my bed? No way. <laughs> and I couldn't get over that that was the rule. So it not only had to be an indoor, outdoor pig, but it had to sleep in the bed of the adopted parent. So I, I said, well, it won't work and, um, you know, wished him luck. And a couple of weeks later, obviously, they did not find anybody to adopt this pig, and they couldn't find another foster parent. And so they called back, and they were willing to uh, forego the sleeping in the bed and um, pos- the possibility of not being in the house. And I said, well, there's, it's not even a possibility. There's no way that a pig's going to be uh, in my house or in my bed, it will only be in the barnyard, you know, and can run around um, as it sees fit. (laughs) And so they said, okay, but we have to do a house inspection. I was like, a house inspection for a pig? So I said, okay, that you can come and do a house inspection, but you bring the pig, and if the pig passes the muster here, and you think it's okay, then you leave the pig, and then uh, I adopt the pig, and that's that. There's no visits and you know, I'm not, I am not a zoo, so this is not like a place you come back and visit. So anyway, the pig arrives with this darling couple, and the pig arrives with its own sleeping bag and its own pillow. And she's very cute. She's only about 75 pounds, and, and I show them the barnyard and all the animals and where she'll live, and they thought that she had hit a gold mine here, so the foster parents agreed that this was going to be a good home. Well, fast forward a couple of years, I don't think the pig was a potbelly pig. In fact, I know for sure because that 75-pound supposed potbelly pig is now a 400-pound, it's a Juliana pig, a huge, huge pig. So every day when I go up to see Cookie, that's her name, she's so cute, I have to laugh and say, I can't even imagine that you would be trying to get into a bed. So she slept in her sleeping bag and had her pillow for the first year. And then little by little, she decided she really liked the barnyard hay and making her own bed. And so she didn't need a mattress and all of this. So it was quite fun. But that was my story of a foster family bringing me a pig. Now, getting back to how you can sign up, first of all, you want to begin by researching shelters in your area. There is something called PetFinder.com. It's an easy way to search. And then you can contact two or three different organizations or shelters to ask for foster applications. Another thing is if you want to foster a certain animal, like as I said, I didn't know there was a pig association. 
I want to go back to how you sign up for being a foster, a foster parent. First, you know, you can research shelters that are in your area, go online. Petfinder.com is a great way. It's a great way to search. And then contact two or three to ask for foster applications. And then also you can check for the kind of animal that you want to foster. So if you want a pig, you can look for fostering pigs or you can look for pheasants or parakeets, you know, dogs, cats, chickens, everything. There are all kinds of, of uh, organizations out there. Now, what they usually do is they'll ask you questions about where the animal is going to be kept, who's going to be taking care of it, how much time it'll be alone, how much time you'll spend with it, other basic things like what other animals that you have, do you have children, all of those things. Um, so you just want to uh, you just want to ask them questions as well, like what are going to be your requirements. And then go and meet with them. And once you're accepted into a program, you're going to be able to volunteer to foster an animal that suits your lifestyle, one that gets along, you know, for example, if you have kids or cats or dogs or frogs or, or whatever you have, you know, if you have a chinchilla or a snake, you know, you want to make sure that everybody's compatible. And then a timetable. You want to be very clear of how much time you want to take to foster. You can take in a new pet when it works for you. If It can be a few days, it can be a few hours, or it could be for several months. And then the final thing is the emotional angle. One more thing to be aware of is when it comes time to say goodbye to a pet that you've been fostering, it's really tough uh, because you might have gotten really attached to that pet. Now, if you can't stand parting with it, I would ask this question up front because some shelters and rescue organizations will allow foster parents priority if they decide to adopt that pet, but some others will restrict it because they want to keep you as a foster parent. So I would ask that question up front is that if you fall in love with this animal, is it, you know, is it possible to adopt it? And, you know, you want to send an animal to a loving family and then it takes another foster parent to give that gift again and to adopt or to foster something else. Now, I'll just uh, give you a very quick um, rundown from uh, the gift of animals from uh, Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World. I am not going to uh, read the chapter. I'm just going to give you the exercise, which is called Rescue Me. So if you're thinking about getting a pet, instead of looking for a pedigree, consider adopting or fostering an animal that has been abandoned or abused. You can look online for the desired type of animal or breed, and you'll be shocked to learn that there is a society or a group or someone out there who is looking for you to adopt or foster this special animal. The SPCA and animal shelters in your area probably have exactly what you seek. You can also look on Craigslist or on bulletins at pet stores and feedlots. Who would have ever imagined that there'd be a Potbelly Pig Association that placed unwanted pigs in loving families? Search and you shall find. Open your heart to the gift of a loving animal. Joyfulness awaits you. As Immanuel Kant said, we can judge the heart of a man by his treatment of animals. And if you'd like to read The Gift of Animals by Heather Brittany in the new book, Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, 
celebrating gifts of positive voices in a changing digital world, just go to CynthiaBryan.com forward slash books or go to the Star Style store. You can just click on it and you can pick up a copy of the book. It's also available for Kindle um, and for eBooks. So really pretty simple. Um, and I think you'll really like that book. It, it's not just that, book, not that chapter that's in it, but there's a lot more. So there we have it. We This is our show for today. I hope that you have enjoyed this uh, this boost of energy and enthusiasm and positivity. I thank you very much for tuning in every week, every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Voice America Network, the Empowerment Channel, where we hope to bring you advice and fun and success. And because we want you to change your life, make your dreams come true, and have uh, you know, have the life you want to live because we only have this one time to go around. So why not make it great? So visit CynthiaBryan.com for more information about Star Style. To get involved with the charity Be The Star You Are, you to volunteer or make a donation or just see what you're doing, visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate. See beyond your physical being and know you are ready to star you dreamed of becoming Cherish the past, dream of the future, and celebrate every moment of your life. And read a book this week. It is like a garden in your pocket. Maybe read two books. Pick up Growing with the Goddess Gardener and Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, all available at CynthiaBryan.com forward slash books. Until next week when we celebrate again, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style, and we thank you and encourage you to be the star you are. Be your unapologetically authentic self and make this a wonderful week. Talk next week with you, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Network Empowerment Channel. For Star Style, be the star you are. Thanks for joining me. Be the star you the star you are, be the star you are, you are the star. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.